Proverbs chapter 12 through 15. I've titled today's talk, What Matters More? Let's pray and we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the times that you are there and we don't recognize that you're there. God, we thank you that in times of desperation, we can come to you and you meet us. In times of joy, in times of celebration, we can come to you and you are there and you celebrate with us. I pray this morning as we look through some themes uh, through the chapters we read this week, I pray that you would speak directly to our hearts and to our minds, that we would learn and grow in your word, in the knowledge of who you are, and in the uh, fullness of your spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, today, like I said, the title is What Matters More? And this title kind of comes from a single verse. We're going to look at a lot of verses today uh, because we're looking at some themes that we've read over multiple chapters. So we're going to look at these themes, and then we're going to really let Scripture speak for itself today. Uh, a little bit different than what I normally do. You know, sometimes I read verses and then there's lots of explanation. Today, there's going to be little explanation and then really just kind of letting these verses talk for themselves and speak for themselves. But this all comes out of this idea of what matters more. It comes out of Proverbs 14, 4, which says, and I love this verse. And I love it because of what it says and what it means. But also, I love it because of the, the word picture that it gives us, all right? Without oxen... A stable stays clean. All right, so if you don't have any oxen, the stable stays clean. Clean, stable, good thing. So hey, guess what? You want a clean stable, don't have any oxen yet, but you need a strong ox for a long harvest. Oxen are dirty, they're gross, they're nasty. It's not like, uh, you know, a, a pet poodle, right? Like oxen are massive beasts and they are messy, they're dirty, they're muddy. But he's saying, look, if you don't have any oxen, great, you, you get a clean stable, but you need a strong ox for a long harvest. So sometimes there are things that may be good, but there are other things that matter so much more. Sometimes we have to deal with the dirty. We have to deal with the, the, the ox, the, the stinky, smelly ox, so that we can reap the large harvest. So today, we're going to look at some themes that matter more, things that really matter, things that Scripture tells us are important for us to know and understand. Uh, this past week on Thursday, my grandfather lost uh, a long battle with dementia, and he passed away on Thursday morning. So this past week, we were not, well, on Friday, we loaded up, we drove down to South Alabama, and then we did the funeral service yesterday, and Brooke and the kids, we drove back yesterday evening, and uh, yesterday was wonderful, it was a great time with our family, just kind of a sweet, precious time. Uh, my grandfather was 85 years old, he lived a long and wonderful life, so it was a great way to, to celebrate him and send him off yesterday, and I spoke at his funeral yesterday, and a few of the stories I told about my grandfather, uh, I was thinking about the message last night as we're driving back, and I begin to think, man, some of these stories I told about my grandfather, they really fit the message. So I'm going to tell you two of them this morning. And one of the things that, uh, if you were there at the ceremony, and I know we have some family watching that you were there, uh, we heard stories about my grandfather, and he was larger than life. He was a pastor for 50 years, 
Uh, he pastored churches all over the country. He was a wonderful man. He was encouraging, always affirming. And he was larger than life in every way possible. I mean, he was, I think, 6'2 or 6'3, uh, you know, and in his younger years was uh, upwards of 300 pounds. You know, he was much lighter these past few years when he had gotten older, but he was just a large man. He's one of the loudest men you'd ever hear. When Papaw walked into a room, everyone knew Papaw was there. He was so loud. But one of the stories I told, so I'm trying to give a little bit of context, but uh, my Papaw, uh, to him, rules were very important, but not all of them. He picked and he chose which rules he wanted to follow. And it's one of the things I loved about my papa. Like rules were important, but not all of them. I remember uh, growing up in, in my household, my parents did not allow us to watch rated R movies. No matter what age we were, we weren't. it was like a no-no. This was the, you never watch rated R movies no matter what. And I remember the very first time I ever saw a rated R movie was at my papa's house. And we watched Air Force One. I haven't seen it in probably 25 years, but I remember the time it seemed like the greatest movie of all time. You know, maybe because it was like we weren't supposed to be watching it, but it was awesome. And I also remember later that evening when my dad came and found out that we had watched this movie that we were definitely not allowed to watch because of the rating. And I remember being sent into the other room while my dad and my grandfather had a, a lively discussion right? Without us in there. And I remember my grandfather just like, you know, the, the, the world has these ratings. I'm not going to let the world tell me which movies are good, and which one's bad. Half these PG-13 movies are terrible. You should never watch. And there's a few R that are totally fine. And they're having this discussion. And I remember thinking like, I love my papa. Like he showed, like it was awesome that he was going toe to toe with my dad, you know, and had this opinion, but he really did believe in rules, just not all of them. But he had a very clear line of what was okay and what wasn't. He had a North Star that if this is the the North Star mean like this is the thing that he looked to for guidance and it was scripture. You know, there's lots of rules that the world places on us that we can choose, you know, where we kind of stand, where we fall and where we where we sit. But when it comes to scripture, if the Bible says it, then my papa believed in it. And the Bible says this is the way we're supposed to act. And that's the way we're supposed to act. There's no clear written rule in the Bible that says don't watch rated R movies. You know, that was like my parents' rule and for good reason. But uh, he said, you know, if it's in scripture, we're going to do it. I also remember my grandfather was the middle school basketball coach for my brother's middle school basketball team. And I would always practice with the team because my papa was the coach and I was too young to play. But every time game time rolled around, he would give me a uniform and I would wear a uniform and I would sit on the end of the bench. And he sent me into one game, uh, much to the chagrin of my dad, who was very frustrated because that was against the rules. So he didn't do that for a while. But then there was this one game that uh, we were beating the other team very badly. My grandfather, even a couple months ago, going in and out of, uh, you know, being aware of what was happening, told me this story again. He's like, you remember that time when we were beating this team? And he remembered the name. I think it was Canyon Creek. We were beating that team. And your dad had to leave early. And as soon as he left, I said, Nathan, get in the game. Because dad wasn't there anymore. And so I played. So I love that about my papa. But he, he taught us that there are some things that matter. And there are some things that don't matter. And there are some things that matter. But there are other things that matter much more. And scripture is to be our north star for determining what matters. What matters more. And what matters most. So today we're going to look at five things that we see in Proverbs. Things that matter more than other things. All right? That doesn't mean that the things that, uh, that they're pitted against are bad. 
There's nothing wrong with having a clean stable, right? There's nothing wrong with that, but there's something that matters much more than that. Having a strong ox matters more. So our main text is from Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24 through 28. And in these four verses, we're going to see all five themes. And then we're going to break these out of these few verses. Then we're going to read a bunch of verses that support them, that kind of go in different directions uh, with the same idea. That's why we're saying that these are themes, okay? So Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. Work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. 25. Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. The godly give good advice to their friends. The wicked lead them astray. Verse 27. Lazy people don't even cook the game they catch, but the diligent make use of everything they find. The way of the godly leads to life, that path does not lead to death. So if you have uh, your notes and you're taking notes, you can write down number one. Our first theme that we see through this verse, and we see all through these chapters, is number one, our work ethic matters. Our work ethic matters. All through Proverbs, we see this theme going uh, throughout. Every chapter, well, not every chapter of Proverbs, but all over through multiple chapters throughout the entire book, this idea of working Hard. We just read it. Work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. Our work ethic matters. This is not just an Old Testament thing and the New Testament. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul says everything we do, we're to do it as if we're working for the Lord. Give the best in everything we have. Our work ethic matters. As believers, as followers of Jesus, we should be some of the hardest working people on the planet. In our job, uh, in our workplaces, at our jobs, we should be known as people who are not afraid to work hard. That's something I tell my kids all the time. Hard work is good for us. You know, we built a fire pit a a few weeks back in our backyard. And as we're digging the hole to level out uh, things for the fire pit, you know, Brooke's like, maybe we should just get so-and-so the friend. He's got the big machine. He'll come and level it out. I was like, you know, we could. We could do that, and that might make it easier. I said, but just think. Ten years from now, when this fire pit is still here, we can look back, and we can say, we dug that hole with our own bare hands. It's like, and I want the kids to know hard work pays off. Now, we want to level all the ground around it, We're going to get a machine for that because that's way too much work. But we tell the kids all the time, like, don't be afraid of hard work. Hard work is good. Our work ethic matters. All right. Look at some of these verses. Chapter 12, verse 11. A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. Chapter 13, verse 4. Lazy people, they want much, but they get. If you're in here, what is this? Say it with me. They get what? Okay, there was more than one person here. They get what? Little. Lazy people want much, but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. 1311. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. I don't know if you've seen the crazy statistics on the amount of people who win the lottery that also go bankrupt. Like, look it up. Google it today. Or Bing, if you're one of those weird people. I'm just kidding. Nothing wrong with Bing. Like, the browser on the, you know, defaults to Bing. But anyways, well, look it up. 
Wealth from hard work grows over time. Our work ethic matters. It doesn't only matter momentarily. Our work ethic matters over the longevity of our life. When we work hard, wealth from hard work is going to grow over time. What that means, it doesn't happen overnight. So those young people in here that are finishing up high school, starting college and starting careers, those of you online that are starting careers, no, you will, if you work hard, you can grow wealth, but it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. Proverbs talks about this. The first thing, our work ethic matters. Now, it's very important to know how to work hard, but there's a big difference between working hard and being a workaholic. All right, workaholics get their identity and their self-worth from what they're doing, and they can't stop because they feel if they stop, then they lose a part of themselves. That's very different. You know, a lot's being you know talked about in the workplaces in America about the good old days when the farmer was the one who ruled the world. You know, and how they worked hard all the time, and sometimes it's even given forth in talks, uh, you know, in TED talks and, and stuff like in corporations. They talk about the farmer, how the farmer worked day and night, and really they're trying to. Uh, modernize workaholism, trying to normalize it. But really, here's the thing about the farmer. The farmer, during planting season, worked day and night, every single day, without fail, hard, hard backbreaking work. When planting season was over, they stopped. They rested and they waited for harvest. When the harvest came, they worked day and night until that harvest was up. They worked extremely hard, but when the harvest was gathered, and it was distributed and everything else, then they rest. They, didn't, they no longer got up as early as possible and worked as late as possible. There were times of rest. You know, that's why God in the Old Testament placed the Sabbath as a rule for the Israelite people because it is important for us to rest. We see this happen when God created the earth. The seventh day, he rested because it's important for us to rest. So we need to know how to work hard when it's time to work hard, but we also need to know how to rest well when it's time to rest well. There's a difference between working hard and workaholism, uh, but the theme, the, 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 the truth is still, or, or the, the theme we read, number one, is, is still true. Our work ethic, it matters. It matters a lot. Number two, another theme we see is our inner balance matters. And I wrote stress calm because there's kind of this, try to categorize this idea of an inner balance of the things that cause us stress, the things that calm us down. But really what we're saying is what is going on inside of us really matters. It's not just the actions that we do and how we treat other people. That absolutely matters. What is taking place inside our own soul is very important, and it matters. We saw some themes here uh, in these chapters. This comes from, like I said, from chapter 12, 25. Worry weighs a person down. So all of these themes come from that. But we're going to read a few more verses that go in different directions, but they really talk about this idea of paying attention to the decisions that we make and how they affect our internal state. How they affect our internal state. You know, we make decisions every single day. And the decisions that we make, they make us. We make our decisions and our decisions make us. We are a byproduct of the decisions that we make. And a lot of times, whenever we're making decisions, the filter that we use to make that decision is a filter that's been ingrained to us by our culture and not by Scripture. And what I mean is sometimes it's the sense of we're trying to choose between uh, one thing or the other, and culture says that this one thing is better, and that's what we should attain. And Scripture says, you know what? Actually, this is better. Worry weighs a person down. What's happening inside of us, if we are constantly worrying, it's going to weigh us down. What's happening inside matters. All right, so let's look at some of these verses and talk about this. 15, 16. 
Better to have little with fear of the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. What matters more? What matters more is to have little if we have the fear of the Lord than to have great treasure, to be wealthy and have all the wealth in the world if we have inner turmoil. I love how the NLT categorizes says this, inner turmoil. Because sometimes in the pursuit of great treasure, in the pursuit of great riches, we position ourselves in a place where we're going to experience all kinds of inner turmoil. And we think it's just okay. It's a sacrifice I'll gladly make to have greater treasure. Right? I love 1517. Now, if you're a vegetarian, you might not like this analogy, but you can get over it. A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. Right? He's painting a picture here. And in the context of this, if you're a vegetarian, that's okay to each his own. But in this context, eating a bowl of vegetables is not the preferred food. Right? He's saying steak is so much better. And it just, it is. Steak is so much better than vegetables. I like them both. But he's saying, look, even the best, most juiciest, wonderful steak, if you're spending it with someone that doesn't like you and you don't get along, you're going to share that meal with someone. There's conflict there. It is, it is, it's stressful, right? It's better just to have a bowl of vegetables that you may not even like as long as you're with someone that you love. It's this sense of what is going on inside of us, what's happening inside, the inner stress calm balance, it matters. Now, there's times we saw Jesus, you know, spend uh, time with people that were sinners and that were far from him, all right? That their actions were detestable, but he loved them, okay? So this is not like a license for like a bunch of uh, self-righteous religious people to say, well, I don't have to go hang out with people that are wrong. Jesus hung out with sinners all the time. Jesus really didn't like hanging out with a lot of the religious, self-righteous people, all right? But the point of this is what's happening internally, it matters. The places we allow ourselves to be and how they impact our internal balance matters. Better to have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. Better a dry crust eaten in peace in a house filled with feasting and conflict. Now, I love 17.1 because I think this is maybe more than any of these speaks to the idea and the facade of the American dream. This idea of if you have a house that is full of feasting and you have all the things that this world says that we need, you got a big house, you got plenty of food, you got a nice car, you got plenty of money, then that's going to make up for all the others and that's going to attain happiness. It's like, look, if there's conflict in the house, if we haven't spent time, you know, building our relationships with one another, all that feasting doesn't make up for the conflict. It's better just to have a dry crust. As long as we are at peace with one another, we're at peace with our own, with our soul, we're at peace with God, we're at peace with our family, we're at peace in our relationships, it's better to have very little. What happens is whenever our internal balance becomes out of whack, whenever we become, uh, we haven't been paying attention to it, what, what begins to happen is we can become very short-tempered very quickly. Because that's what stress does. I don't have time to go into all the science of how when you're stressed, the cortisol level goes up. And if you maintain a certain level, of, I don't have time to go in and all that. But it's really fascinating stuff. But really, it takes your body time for that cortisol to come down from stress. It, not all stress is bad. Sometimes it's good. It pushes us to do things. But you can't live in a constant heightened state of stress all the time. 
okay? But what happens is whenever that stress has begun to rule our entire nature, we easily become short-tempered. You know, we had a friend in Southern California when we were there pastoring, and he was trying to make a decision about a big job change. Uh, He had gotten a promotion, or he, he was being offered this massive promotion to a much more prestigious position, more money, uh, but it was in a different location. They had to move. It was much, it's something he'd been working for for years and years and years. And he's praying about making this decision and eventually he turned it down. And I remember asking him, why did you turn down that job? I mean, that's something you've been working for. And he said, you know, I begin to look at this job and realize my kids are in high school right now and they're uh, involved in their sports. And if we were to uproot them from the place they are now and go into a new place, there's no guarantee they're going to be able to find friends and all that. And then I began to think about the amount of time I would have to spend building this new thing. It's a big promotion, but there's going to be this huge upswing learning curve. And it's going to be two to three years of kind of really hard work. He says, these are the final years of my kids being at the house. So I began to think, do I want to spend the last two or three years while they're at the house working all the time to get this thing started? And then I begin to think about moving the family from somewhere we've been to this place. And he's weighing all these factors. He says, you know what? At the end of the day, our bills are paid for here. We're okay financially. We don't need the more money. It would be nice. We could do this and this and this. We don't need all those things. But what I realized is the amount of stress that me and my family would have to endure for this career advance didn't outweigh all the stuff we had here. This idea of he looked at his life and said, you know what? This, this could be a great move. We, we, ought to, we could afford better colleges for the kids. It'd be a much bigger, and all this. And then 10 years down the road, this is a great thing. But the stress that it's going to put us under matters, and I'm going to factor in that, to, that into the decision. We become short-tempered when this becomes out of balance. Oh, my goodness. i got to move quick. A fool is quick-tempered. I said I was going to do short explanations, let Scripture speak for itself. And I did not. I just keep talking. A fool quick is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. Short-tempered people do foolish things. A hot-tempered person starts fights. A cool-tempered person stops them. How do we become someone who's not short-tempered? We have to pay attention to what's happening inside of us, that inner balance. Number three, number three, things that matter. Number three, our words matter. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. That is such a lie. Not true at all. Words matter. The words we speak to one another, they matter. The words people speak to us, they matter. All over these chapters we read, an encouraging word cheers a person up. An encouraging word matters. The godly give good advice. The wicked lead them astray. Look at these, all right? The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. The heart of the godly, those following God, they think before they speak. All right, check these out. Wise words bring many benefits. Hard work brings rewards. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Did you know your words can bring healing to those around you? Our words matter. With our words, we can bring healings, healing to hearts and souls. 12, 19, truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're listening to this. Maybe you're watching this tonight or tomorrow or whatever. And you're in the midst of something where you've spoken the truth and someone else has told a lie and you're wondering if it's going to come out. Always stand with the truth. 
Because truth stands the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. A fool's proud talk becomes a rod that beats him, but the words of the wise keep them safe. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. For those of us in marriage relationships, how true is 15.1? When one person is frustrated, gentle answer can de-escalate the situation. But when we speak harshly, what happens? It just escalates. 15.4, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. I love 15.23. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. Have you ever had someone that just said the exact right thing at the exact right time? It was like, you are, that was, mm, we like it. It's wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. Our words, they matter. That's a great story. I just don't have time to tell it. Number four, our diligence matters. Our diligence matters. Now, this word diligence, all right? uh, Oh, man, I had two really good stories in that last point. I got to skip them both. That's all right. Oh, that's all right. Diligence. You know, I thought about writing conscientiousness here because I like that word. Brooke said it was too big. Uh, I've thought about writing industriousness. Brooke didn't like that one either. Uh, So I went with diligence. But it's this idea of being diligent, being good stewards of what we're given. Jesus talked about in the New Testament, those, there's three people that were given talents uh, from the Lord and from the master. You know, one was given five, one was given, you know, two, the other one was given one. And then their stewardship of what they were given really mattered in the end. The master came and said, what did you do? It's being diligent with what we have. Lazy people don't even cook the game they catch, but the diligent make use of everything they find. Our diligence, making use of the things that are given to us, making good use of our time, our talents, our treasure, making good use of it, it really matters. Our diligence matters in the workplace. Our diligence matters in our families. Our diligence matters in our relationships. Our diligence matters in our parenting. For those of you parents out there, right? Like our diligence, constantly being consistent, it matters. Our diligence really matters. The godly care for their animals, but the wicked are always cruel. This idea of diligence, right? Uh, By and large, the Israelite people were an agricultural society and their animals were used to help them uh, grow the property, right? To grow crops. The things that we have at our our disposal, they care for those animals. They don't treat things with disdain or disrespect. They respect the property. They respect the possessions that come to them. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes, we read this, but wealth from hard work grows over time. Our diligence, our... uh, conscientiousness, stewardship of what we're given. When we work hard and we use what we're given, our wealth is going to continue to grow over time. Number five, our pursuits matter. Our pursuits matter. What we pursue matters. The Lord detests the way of the wicked, but he loves, loves those who pursue godliness. What we pursue really matters. What we set our eyes on and then go after, it really matters. There's nothing wrong with setting our eyes on a promotion and going after that promotion. 
There's nothing wrong with setting our eyes on having a better house for. There's nothing wrong with. Uh, there's nothing inherently wrong by gaining worldly treasure, as long as there are some pursuits that matter more, and we make sure we're placing the time and attention on those. Pursuing Jesus matters most. Pursuing healthy relationships with our spouse and our kids matters most. Pursuing healthy friendships with other godly people matters most. Pursuing godliness and making sure that what's happening inside of us is in line with the word and the spirit matters most. Our pursuits matter. You know, our mission and our vision as a church here, Vine Church family, is pursuing Jesus, embracing people. And we wrote it that way uh, through prayer because we believe that's what God gave us. But to be very clear, we pursue Jesus. As people who follow Jesus, we don't just believe in him, we pursue him. We go after the spirit of God. We go after Jesus. We pursue him because our pursuits, they matter. What we pursue, it really matters. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your truth. God, we thank you that in your word, there's not only spiritual advice, there's not only uh, soul-forming, life-giving words, but there's also very practical wisdom on how to live this life day in and day out. We thank you for that. God, as we walk through the book of Proverbs, I pray that any of us, well, not any of us, we're all out of line. Like, we, none of us are perfect. We all have little things we need to adjust. I pray that you would show us the areas in our life that just need some adjustments and that your spirit would come in us and help us make those and give us the strength we need. God, I pray once again for everyone in Trustville, in Clay, in Pinson, in Leeds, in Moody, in Birmingham, in all of Jefferson County, St. Clair County, that are going back to school this week, for our teachers, our, uh, our uh, uh, administration, and for every single student, I pray that you keep them safe. God, I pray that you would direct our leadership uh, to make wise decisions. In Jesus' name, amen.